the Oklahoma Business Roundtable. This organization promotes new business investment throughout Oklahoma, including funding support for startup, retention, expansion, and attraction of business facilities and operations. Learn more about them at okbusinessroundtable.com. This is the Oklahoma Innovate That Podcast. In each episode, we talk to the scientists, CEOs, inventors, entrepreneurs, and innovators that are helping to make Oklahoma a national leader in science, innovation, and technology. The Innovate That Podcast is a production of OCAST, the Oklahoma Center for the Advancement of Science and Technology. OCAST is the Oklahoma State Agency for Technology-Based Economic Development and is working to move innovative ideas from concept to commercialization. Learn more at ocast.ok.gov. Enjoy this episode of the Oklahoma Innovate That Podcast. Now, here's your host, Oklahoma Lieutenant Governor Matt Pinnell. Hey everybody, it is Oklahoma Lieutenant Governor Matt Pinnell back with another episode of our Oklahoma Innovate That Podcast with OCAST. And uh, we've got a great one for you today. I'll kind of get right into it with uh, Dr. Craig Shimasaki right here in Oklahoma City, CEO of Molecular Labs. A little bit of background here first. Let me tee this up for our listeners. Dr. Shimasaki, co-founder again of CEO of Molecular Labs, a neuroimmunology precision medicine company focused on diagnosing uh, neuro, uh, psychiatric, and behavioral disorders triggered by autoimmune response. The doctor is, is a serial entrepreneurial, I, I love that definition, a serial entrepreneur and scientist, and is responsible for co-founding nine different companies. Very impressive. He was involved in raising over $30 million for these companies and participated in taking five companies public in the U.S. and Canadian stock markets. Very impressive. His research and development work includes researching for HIV vaccine, genetic breast cancer risk prediction, a uh, rapid flu test, therapeutic and uh, biological products for infectious diseases, and uh, neuropsychiatric disorders. He has led multiple products uh, through the FDA approval process that is very difficult to do, and is a co-inventor on several patents. Uh, He is also an adjunct professor at the OU Price School of Business. We love the OU Price School. I've spoken Mm -hmm. to their students many times, and has written several books. I'm actually looking at one of the books right now on uh, biotech entrepreneurship. He is an expert at taking products to commercialization in an industry that sometimes struggles to get technology out of labs. So again, Dr. Shimasaki, thank you so much for being with us today. Great to be here, yeah. uh, Lieutenant Governor, and yeah. thank you for inviting me. Yeah. That was a lot of big words that I had to get <laughs> through there. Uh, I probably butchered many of them, so uh, bear with me, because uh, the conversation that we're going to have today is at a very high level, and uh, I'm just, you know, gosh, just reading that bio, just so thankful first off, that you're in Oklahoma. And we're going to talk a little bit about that, of why you're in Oklahoma, why you're doing business in Oklahoma. You know, right off the top, in your own words, explain what Molecular Labs does and the definition of precision medicine company. Okay. We are happy to be here in Oklahoma. Uh, The the company Molecular Labs was co-founded by myself and Dr. Madeline Cunningham, and it's actually a biotech company. Uh, with a clinical laboratory that we focus on uh, testing and treating for autoimmune neuropsychiatric disorders. Precision medicine is an area of medicine that uh, for the last couple decades has come about 
and it re refers to actually testing patients before you give them treatment such that they actually are directed to the right treatments mm. rather than the trial and error or general treatments so that you're specifically focusing on what the root of the issue is rather than treating symptoms. What was the reason for starting the company? I mean, I, I can I can kind of jump to the conclusions because mm -hmm. I mean, frankly, this is very needed mm -hmm. uh, in, in uh, the world today, not just in America. But what what was your reason for, for kind of starting the company? Right, right. Well, it, it was birthed out of uh, unmet need for uh, parents who kept calling with their children who needed treatment and testing because there was a clinical study that was performed at OU, and in conjunction with the National Institutes of Mental Health in which uh, these antibodies were identified in patients that were triggering these conditions, and then they actually got treated for those specific antibodies, and the patients got well. Hmm. And they told other patients or to other parents, and those parents kept calling. Yeah. And for about a year and a half, they kept calling, and they couldn't get their kids into yeah. a study, which wow. was concluded. And so then Dr. Cunningham came to me and said, how do we help these patients that yeah. keep calling with severe uh, disabilities or disorders, and we have no way to help them. Yeah. And that's when uh, I started the company. And, and about what year was that again? 2011. 2011. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Talk about the, the Cunningham panel of tests and, and what is it used for? Well, I named that after uh, my collaborating co-founder mm -hmm. because of her decades of research into strep and immuno immunology for uh, basically rheumatic fever and a, a condition called Sydenham's chorea, okay. which was a neurologic movement that resulted from a strep infection. Okay. And so the panel itself actually looks at the blood of patients who have the sudden onset of maybe obsessive compulsive disorder, anxiety, separation anxiety, chronic depression, other things that you might consider even sometimes maybe mental illnesses, yeah. uh, or even could be considered sometimes as autism or schizophrenia, mm -hmm. but they were normal prior to that, and that they had an infection. And so the panel identifies in the blood whether or not they have these antibodies. And if they have these antibodies, what you can do is treat the infection in the immune system rather than the psychiatric drugs for the symptoms, yeah. because patients then get rapidly well. Hmm. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. So what? how do common infections trigger these disorders? Yeah, that's uh, really a, even a current topic, which is very important. And that's why I named the company Molecular Labs, because of a concept known as molecular mimicry, meaning that a molecule on an organism has the same sequence as a part of, a part of our proteins in our body. So for instance, let's say rheumatoid arthritis, well, uh, it actually then is attacking a part of our joints that's mm. common to maybe another infection. Okay. And so with strep, what happens is a part of that uh, organism is common to some of the proteins in the brain mm. that cause these and normal functions for the brain like cognition, uh, movement. But if an antibody is made against that part of the organism, then it will also cross-react and recognize a part of the brain and interrupt with that normal functioning. Hmm. And we call that autoimmunity. Okay. So if you take a look at SARS-CoV-2 or COVID-19, yeah. you see onset of what we call long COVID, 
brain fog, yes. neurologic, well, hearing a lot about disorders. this. Yes, hearing a lot about this right now. We believe yeah. that this is part of a phenomenon that is the same model: infection-triggered autoimmune conditions. It's just what is the what are those antibodies attacking? And we're doing research on that part of it to identify: do some of these antibodies we're currently working with fit that model, hmm. and then also the cardiovascular antibodies that we're working on. Will they also fit that model? And we believe and see preliminary that that's the tr- that that's what's happening. Yeah, it's amazing. What led to the discovery of this type of, of test panel? I mean, what what were the breakthroughs there that that you had to get to? Yeah, I think maybe even I can step back into some of the characteristics that are important. I mean, there's collaboration. You always have to because when you work in one area and someone's working in another area, you never would know that they were connected. Yeah. Uh, so some of the breakthrough was that the head of the National Institutes of Mental Health, the pediatric branch, had a large number of patients who had sudden onset of obsessive convulsive disorder who were also preceded by a strep infection. Oh, so she wasn't really sure what to do with that because she then looked for a researcher who had worked on strep, mm-hmm. and that happened to be Dr. Cunningham. And the collaboration between the two of them helped connect the research with the clinical presentation of that. And then from that, then, of course, that's research, but then you have to have development, validation, translational development, and then offer that product to the public through regulatory processes. Gotcha. Uh, How many patients have you tested and have been treated? Uh, So far, over 13,000 patients in 50 different countries. Wow. uh, And over 1,700 doctors have ordered and all that, we don't have a sales force. Man. Uh, so it's been a demonstration that there is a need. Yes. Now, the next step is uh, to be able to raise the capital to help expand, scale this, and work on these other products yeah. that I mentioned. Wow. That's an impressive number there. Are, are there any uh, diagnostic and treatment related you know, success stories you, mm-hmm. you know, you'd like to share? We've got hundreds. Yeah, in I fact, bet. we've got videos. In fact, many of these we've tested and they've been treated a lot of children. So we get a lot of parents that will send us videos back. Yeah. Uh, one of them is Adam, who in the very beginning, his mother said that they actually were considering putting him into an institution wow. because he wasn't responding to psychiatric meds. They had received the diagnosis of autism, ADD, ADHD. She found out about us, and we tested him, and he was positive and had these antibodies. Then a treating physician treated the immune system and the infection, and most recently she sent us a picture of him in high school now running cross-country, and oh. she said he's 10,000 times better. Gosh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's really cool. I'm sure that keeps you going you know, through the tough days. It does. So what about COVID? You, you mentioned it in some of your remarks. Are, are you looking into any testing or treatment options? Uh, both, actually. In fact, these antibodies that we find that are attacking the brain, we find that they are present, at least in preliminary evidence, in patients with long COVID. So we think that maybe that's what's triggering the brain fog and the neuropsychiatric disorders. We see some evidence that they also have autoimmune antibodies against their heart and their vascular system, hmm. which can create myocarditis, the other types of cardiac issues that they have. And so we're developing and working to develop a panel to test these patients so that they can be directed towards proper therapy and then help 
develop better therapies that are targeted towards those targets. Gotcha. That's exciting. That's uh, you know certainly I know we're turning a, a corner a little bit on COVID. But it's not going anywhere. I mean it, it can mor- morph into many other things, and it will be on the top of our minds moving into 2022. It's just going to be. It is, yeah. and unfortunately, that also then translates into the economic side of it. Yes, and the yes. rest of the other thing, the social piece. So yeah. it's important that we treat um, the root of it, which is biological. Yeah. And medicine. Agree. Uh, so let's shift to your work in uh, biotechnology entrepreneurship. What was the origin of you kind of diving into the biotech startup game? Well, um, I started at Genentech, which is one of the first biotech companies in South San Francisco, in the world, but started in South San Francisco back in 1983 after I finished my undergraduate degree at UC Davis. And I saw then at that time how these discoveries were being translated into medicines and tests and treatments because there were groups of scientists who not only knew science, but they knew business. Mm -hmm. And from there is when I learned, uh, and that was when HIV actually occurred, and we were working with other teams on developing a vaccine. And recognizing the challenges of science, but then you can have the greatest discovery in the world, but if you don't know how to actually take that into some kind of process for a business and actually get that through regulatory approval and development, it doesn't really do a lot of good for a lot of people. That's so that's right. what birthed really the the idea of moving into some area that I can actually make a difference yeah. in the life of people. That's great. That's great. What compelled you to write mm-hmm. uh, the biotechnology entrepreneurship books in this area? Because, I've again, I have a couple of them in front of me right now. It actually wasn't uh, a goal to write books. It was actually me chronicling all the things that I began to learn because – Uh, One of the adages I like to uh, think of is learn from the mistakes of others because you never live long enough to make them all yourself. (laughs) So I thought if I kept a lot of them and and then a publisher wanted to publish it and found uh, I looked myself for books to help because after the second or third company, you realize that there's repeated kinds of concepts that keep showing up. But in the biotech world, it takes so much money and it takes so long And then many of these founders of biotech companies were passing away and they weren't writing things about it. And you lose all that knowledge. And so that is when I decided to write the second and third book is then to chronicle these things so that the next generation has the advantage of being the leapfrog into things and help medicine and society. It's great that you're thinking that way. You know, Mm -hmm. the uh, future generations will Mm -hmm. be able to, you know, and again, grasping that, learning from that early, Mm -hmm. to your point, so that they can leapfrog others and, frankly, position Oklahoma, if someone in Oklahoma is reading it, position us uh, in (laughs) Oklahoma better than other states do. What's the best piece of advice you can give to someone looking to start a business in biotech? Well, I think there's a number of things that are important, and one of them is to get a good foundation in science, Yeah, because it's not one of those fields where you can just decide that, hey, I'm going to create a blood test or something that can do whatever, or I can develop a new therapeutic. You have to have a basic, good basic training in science and medicine. And then the second is to have and learn about business, because the business part of it is combined with the science, and you create new risks. Yeah. And then the third is find good mentors. Hmm. Look for mentors. And Oklahoma is working on making these mentors available. And I do help with another group in Boston. And then the fourth, I would say, is recognize that serendipity plays a role. 
meaning that you will run into individuals or you will come across problems that might spur on ideas. But if you're a creative problem solver, you'll see it as an opportunity versus just another problem. Yeah, very good advice. So how has OCAST, speaking of mentors and and working with, you know, groups, different groups in Oklahoma, how, how has OCAST and the innovation pipeline helped your business grow? Well, I would say that if OCAST wasn't here, I, I kind of doubt the success of many of these other companies because mm. what o- OCAST does is work behind the scenes in the sense that they provide many of these grants that help move the technology along such that external investors find that it's investable. Yeah. So the we have won ORS grants, which allowed us to translate many of these ideas into farther developed products. The early stage funding, which I don't know if it's still there, which is the seed funding, that allows a researcher to take an idea and move it forward far enough that maybe someone would be interested in it. Yeah. Because there's this big gap between research and commercialization. And if we fill that gap, then we can have more opportunities for enterprises that develop and and are here in our state. So I would say OCAST not only has helped in the financial area, but OCAST through I2E has been also a vehicle that has helped with the development of not only our companies, but also other companies in the state. Yeah, that's good. And in general... You know, I always ask, you know, our, our guests, you know, a couple of the last questions, we always ask our, our guests this question. In general, is Oklahoma a good place for biotech startups? And, and what could we be doing better mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to, you know, kind of from a 30,000 foot view, you know, what, what are we doing well in Oklahoma? What are we not doing well? But in, in specifically to biotech, is it, a, is it a good place for biotech right now? Oh, absolutely. There are challenges just because of the field. But I've been here 30 years, and I was a California native, and I never thought I would leave. Yeah. But we've been here, raised our children here, and I'm actually recruiting scientists here because it has an entrepreneurial culture, and it is also a group of people who will help each other regardless if there's anything in it for them. Yeah. And that type Hmm. of culture is not something you port over. You know, you can port over programs, you can port over different types of protocols, but you can't port over culture. And so what I would say is you take advantage of that, the cost of living, obviously, and all those other things, but the forward thinking and the willingness to collaborate and help, and then finding ways to be innovative and novel, and then create organically grown companies in the state rather than chasing we do need other companies but some of the best ones can be those that are organically developed and nurtured along that i would say oklahoma is an absolutely a great place to build a biotech company now we do need more funding we do need more mentorship Mm -hmm. and we do need more support but the genesis is there and i think with the innovation district the various types of activities more funding for ocast external investors coming to be able to see, hey, this is, you know, we're not a flyover state anymore. Maybe the east and west coast, you know, there's more opportunities in Oklahoma than maybe just all those that are picked over on the east and west coast. Yeah, that rise of the rest kind of movement that we hear a lot about. What could we be doing better? Well, I, I do think that some of those ideas that maybe might got shelved a while ago, such as the EDGE project, which was going to be a billion dollar fund for the research capital of the Plains, which through various other needs got allocated to other things that really have or important needs. 
But like anything else, when you invest like Ocast over a long term and you look at this rather than just a quarter or a year, look at maybe a decade. What is going to be the difference? And when you invest in research, development, commercialization, because medicine is, and science is an area, you don't say, hey, I want that cheaper product 25 years ago when I have a heart attack or something. You want the best and the most advanced treatment therapies, diagnostics. And so if we're a forefront in the area of science and biotechnology, like the need for COVID, then we can actually create an environment where not only more people want to come and build companies, but the economic diversity of the state can change. Yeah, that's good. You know, what kind of infrastructure does the state still need, you know, for that, you know, for those angel investors to get that ecosystem that we know we need to be growing more in Oklahoma? But talk a little bit about the additional infrastructure that we kind of need here in the state. Yeah, so if we can step back for a second, there's different sort of buckets of funds that a company needs to advance over to be being profitable or to be able to be scaled. And so there's the early stage seed capital, which is really when you have concepts and ideas and that you can move them forward that maybe some other angel investors might be interested. So we have we have some some good opportunities mm-hmm. there. We do need some more and and I think through the ITE program and OCAS that can be done. Then there's a second group which is the angel investor group and that is those that come in early and they provide more of this first round capital. And we do have some angel groups that are there. We certainly can use more. What we lack is the gap between that angel funding and that institutional round. Mm -hmm. That gap between when you want to scale and go to the next level, you most of the time you see that companies have to either look outside of the state or in some cases they actually have to leave the state Mm -hmm. if they actually take the funds. So if we can build that next level, and that's that that level what we call maybe the institutional A and B rounds that those funds will actually help keep the companies here. It will also help them be able to thrive and grow because if you spend so much time trying to chase that next round of capital, you're not focused on building the product or developing the product as much as you really could. And so things like maybe some reincarnation of the EDGE project or some way to make Oklahoma an attractive place to not just start your company, but to build it and keep it here. Yeah, very good feedback there. You know, you mentioned, you know, you California native moved, you've been been in Oklahoma for 30 years. What what led you to Oklahoma in the first place? And and why did you choose to keep your business here? Well, it was an interesting, uh, a colleague at Genentech was working on the same project that I was working on. He was in formulation and uh, we had a little Bible study each uh, at noon, and there's only a handful of us. And he decided he was going to a conference in Oklahoma, and he ended up staying and helping start a company. For over a year, he kept trying to get me to come here, and I thought, there's no way. (laughs) And uh, I thought that there was no hot water and running water, and I thought (laughs) that was just, you know, is a Wild West. But after another year of just really realizing the commute, the cost of living, the inability to really spend much time with my family, mm-hmm. that I would actually be open to listening. Yeah. And so they flew me and my wife out here. 
And it was actually er, er, early in Tulsa, too. Yeah. And that really convinced me, you know, the yeah. people that uh, I talked to, the supporters, and uh, we realized that this is the place that we wanted to be. That's great. Where can people go to learn more about the research that you're doing, find the books that you've published as well? Do you have a website that we can direct people to? Yeah, there's a couple of them. And the company's website for Moleculara is www.molecularalabs.com, M-O-L-E-C. U-L-E-R-A labs.com. And then I have another website where it's called Biosource Consulting, which I, I try to teach and put different blogs to help and train other entrepreneurs called biosourceconsulting.com. Great. Well, Dr. Shimasaki, thank you so much for being with us. We are uh, so proud that you are an Oklahoman, that you love this place, that you're building businesses here, and that you're really investing in that next generation as well. We, I, I love to hear that. Thank you for coming on our, our podcast today, and uh, we look forward to watching your career continue to flourish and your companies grow. So thank you for being with us today. Well, thank you for having me, Lieutenant Governor. And yeah. I know you're an entrepreneur yourself, yes. so you know what it takes, and uh, it's always great to talk to someone like yourself. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And, and those listening, we'll be back again very soon with another episode of our Oklahoma Innovate That podcast. Thank you. Mm-hmm.